Word at Work from Fertility Matters at Work is a conversation about fertility and how it affects people at work. You'll be hearing from our community about what they experienced whilst trying to build their families, as our aim is to help you better understand this issue by sharing these stories. We also share our insights as we're now two years into doing this work. Plus, we're talking to the trailblazing organisations who are making these cultural changes the norm, as well as bringing you thought leaders from the workplace wellbeing space. We're back to the parental leave part. We're seeing non-birthing parents taking leave in communities where it's unheard of but then they talk about it and their families talk about it to others and suddenly there's a gradual shift in perception. So the impact actually really can trickle much further than we would ever have imagined. Welcome to another episode of the F Word at Work and we're sharing this with you just after National Fertility Awareness Week. Hopefully, if you are engaged in this conversation, you will have seen the brilliant campaign we were sharing for Fertility Awareness Week from Fertility and we've had amazing amazing engagement so if you haven't yet started following us on our socials please do all the details will be at the end of this episode because they are brilliant examples of the many scenarios that you experience when you're going through fertility treatment and trying to navigate work and if you're looking for some comms to share at work they will be so useful if you haven't already done so Also, we shared our policy guidance document, which again, I'll make sure there is a link for you in the show notes. Now, this episode is a conversation with one of our newly accredited fertility friendly employers. Part of the MO of the F Word at Work is not only to share stories from our community and thought leadership pieces, but also best practice from the organisations that we're working with. And you're going to hear a conversation with Ferring Pharmaceuticals. They're a global organization. They've been doing incredible work talking about fertility issues with their own comms activity, all sorts of campaigns that they've engaged the community with. I've worked with Ferring over the years in some really clever conversations and content creation pieces that really help raise awareness of the impact of fertility issues. I was involved in a campaign called Fertility Orcs and it was such an amazing experience. I think I'll put links to that in the show notes for this as well just so you've got some other things to look at because Ferring are a great example of they work in the fertility space, they provide drugs that you take during fertility treatment and they have done a huge piece of work internally to ensure that their employees are properly supported. So you're going to hear a conversation with Mary Knight. I'm going to let her explain her role and all the brilliant work that they've been doing. Before we hear from our guest, we just want to mention this season's sponsor, Apricity, which is next generation fertility with a really unique virtual model that uses AI innovation and technology to reimagine fertility care. Now what Apricity do is offer family building benefit solutions to employers, health plans and individual patients and it goes from diagnostic testing right through to full fertility management including medical treatments such as IVF, egg donation and egg freezing. Apricity helps build families by providing access to the best doctors, technology and unlimited support. So to discover how Apricity can support your employees just visit apricityfertility.com. 
My name is Mary Knight. I work for Ferring Pharmaceuticals. I've been with them for six years now and I'm responsible for ethics and more recently for diversity, equity and inclusion. Welcome, Mary. It is such a pleasure because we've been trying to get this date set for quite some time. I was looking back. I think we started talking about it in about March time. We're speaking around September time. So it's not, yes. not bad going. I know how busy you are, but it's lovely to be able to talk more with you. You've been such incredible supporters of us here at Fertility matters at work since our launch because you have been amazing supporting us with the development of our e-learning product and I was really keen to get you on the f-word at work to really showcase what you're doing because that's what we like to do with our members and I thought a good place to start would be you just explaining about Ferring's Building Families at Ferring project and and what that involves. Sure well thank you so much and, and I appreciate the opportunity today. So building families at Ferring kind of evolved out of discussions around what we do as an organisation. We have a very strong sense of purpose at Ferring. We are there, we exist in the world to help people build families and live better lives. The building families part comes because one of our four therapy areas is on those treatments required for fertility treatment, as well as other related to pregnancy and safe birth. Um, So it's very much ingrained into us that we can impact people by helping them become parents and those people who have facing challenges in becoming parents. And we're also close to our patient community. So we really engage with patients, engage with those who have been through these challenges, been through these journeys. And we also know it's a difficult and unexpected experience that can go multiple ways. So there's a whole range of emotions, there's a whole range of practicalities, and there's a whole range of challenges that people in this situation can face. And so when we know that our people come to work, dedicate their lives to a company that that does that, we felt it important that we also extend this to our own employees. So how could we as a company help our own employees who may be facing challenges in becoming parents or who have families, but how can we best support them in their family, in their family planning and in their early stages of being parents. So at the same time, there were more and more companies looking at parental leave policies. It was becoming more of a hot topic in terms of part of well-being, of part of inclusion. And so we started to design a program which would support our own employees in their own fertility and family building journey, no matter what that looked like. And at the core of this was something that we wanted to be holistic. We wanted to try to address every eventuality and we wanted to be inclusive and accessible. We have a progressive view of the term family that can mean different things, different setups, same sex, single parents, just a very inclusive view on what a family can mean. And so the basis of this was to design something that would reach as many people as possible and make as big a difference as possible. And out of that came our programme Building Families at Ferring. So it consists of three pillars. The first is around family building journeys themselves. So for those who may have faced challenges in in conceiving, um, we provide unlimited financial support through a third party to help them explore and follow the options that are available to them. So that would include IVF treatment, it may include adoption services, it may include a surrogacy journey. It's really whatever options were available to the particular family, we will support them financially. And we have no cap on that limit. And that's to ensure that everybody has access to the options available to them, regardless of what the cost is. Otherwise, it would not be an equitable policy. 
I'll pause there. <laughs> I mean, the when we heard about what your plans were and there was that plan for the unlimited financial support, I mean, it's so trailblazing. And like you say, it's so there isn't a cap. And, you know, as an organization with what you do, do you think it's because you've got more insights into the complexities of the family building journeys that people go through from the outset that's given you that approach because we're talking with organizations all the time about how best to support and what does it look like and is it days is it financial support and at fertility matters at work we don't go to organizations and say you need to add that financial support as you know we're very focused on the educating of the what this is and how it impacts people but you obviously took that stance from the start would you say that was led because you know so much about the complexities I think so I think we felt it's removing the barriers and one of the barriers is financial now that could be that it's a barrier we know that the financial support for for example fertility treatment or IVF treatment varies not only country to country but even region to region even in the UK you know it's very and fragmented so and it may take one three or five rounds of IVF to result in a pregnancy so it's really about removing the barriers and creating an opportunity to a positive outcome and those barriers are at different heights for different people because if your only option if you're not able to carry or you're a same-sex couple or your circumstances require that the only way you could become parents was through a surrogate then the cost of that is significantly higher than if you were, for example, successful after one round of IVF. So we discussed, you know, having a generous limit, having a higher than average. We wanted to stand apart. We wanted to give the most generous, holistic, solid package that we could. But having any limit still created barriers for some, depending on where they lived and what their circumstances were. And so by removing that obstacle, we feel it's truly an equitable and accessible benefit. Yeah. And I do want to know how it's been received so far, but let's just talk about the other pillars because we've mentioned the first one. Sure. So the second pillar is around parental leave. Again, pretty fundamental to any kind of family support. And this is not just for those who have, you know, faced challenges in conceiving. This is for all parents. So for birthing and non-birthing parents, we have a 26-week policy. They get six months paid leave to spend with their their new addition. And this can be taken into increments um, up to a period of over two years as well to allow some flexibility. But again, going back to this founding principles, we knew that that wasn't enough. We also had to provide leave for in case of miscarriage, in case of a stillbirth, in case we had to provide leave for people to take the time off to have the treatment that we were supporting as well. So we have five days leave for going through IVF treatment or going through an adoption process. And a lot of this came from sharing our own experiences. So some elements are in this because we heard from some of our employees who had had experiences that we might not have thought of. So we also have a neonatal leave, which is if your baby is born preterm, then the leave doesn't start at that preterm where you may spend eight or 10 weeks in the care unit at hospital, it starts when you bring your baby home or at the due date. And then, so really trying to think of every eventuality and accommodating that so that the leave isn't just parental leave after the baby's born, but it's taking account of all of the other times that you might need time off work. 
And I think the two points there that I just want to pick up, that if you're listening with a view to trying to navigate your way through implementing policy and change at your organization, what you mentioned about gaining insights from your employees, we always talk about the importance of that because they're the people that have already walked the path and really thinking about those different eventualities because we know, sadly, no two scenarios are the same just because they might be called a similar thing. The outcomes and the experiences are all so different, aren't they? Exactly. It's really a roller coaster. And it's amazing when you do start having these conversations internally, you know, and you have those stakeholders, we formed a a cross-functional group really to sort of develop the plan. And as you start to speak, everybody has their own experience or somebody close to them or a sister or somebody. These these issues are not out there. They're very much in the, the lives of people. And so it was really lovely the way it also helped to shape the policy itself was just learnings and listening. And the more we speak, the more we empower and enable people to have these conversations. And, and I think that kind of grew a passion for the whole program as well, because it was like, this is really life changing. Yeah. I always say to people, this is not dental care. This is like a whole new ball game of a kind of an employee benefit because it's impacting lives in a way that we can never imagine. And that's why we talk about it as a life event. It's such a significant event, as we've said, whatever the outcome, whether it is a positive outcome or sadly, as we know, too often not a positive outcome. So the third pillar, Mary, just talk to me about that because then I want to hear about how it's been received. So it was really important to tie this all together with the third pillar. You know, it's one thing to write a policy. It's one thing to give financial support. It's one thing to give generous leave. But unless we match that with a true commitment to becoming an informed organization, an organization where managers, people leaders understand and can have empathy for the reality of going through these journeys, for the reality of the roller coaster we just described, for the reality of a miscarriage or the fifth miscarriage, the accumulative impact of failed treatment or of pregnancy loss or of the anxiety that comes with finally being pregnant, having gone through that to get there. And how do you carry on in your normal work? And how could we? So it was an absolute to make this, it was to bring it to life. And so this third pillar is about continued commitment to awareness and support at work, which involves the e-learning that you developed, which involves a series of internal discussions, webinars, forums, trying to create an environment where people can share their stories, but also giving knowledge and facts. You know, yes, we do this as a company, but the, the scientists develop and the, the marketers sell and the we all have our own role in, in the overall end impact, but it's making sure that we really understand the toll that that can take on people, the practicalities that it means for people, and how can we best support either people in our teams or our colleagues, or it could be our managers, because this is the other thing, that these challenges do not discriminate. It can be anybody that faces these challenges. And so we just want to make sure that that's a conversation that we're open about and that the culture is one where there's no taboo, there's no covering up. People are free to speak about these topics and and that people understand the emotional toll that it can take on families. And have you sensed the shift that people are feeling more comfortable and they are opening up more? I mean, we know when we have the kind of awareness raising conversations that we're, we are hosting with Ferring today. We're speaking in September and um, really looking forward to 
doing that next stage of that training but we know that it can often be like a domino effect and people start to say thank you you know thank you for validating my experience and yes this is me and okay I do feel safe to come forward and say either I want to help or that this was me and I could do with more help have you started to see some of that already from just the announcement of all the things that you've already implemented we have and what we've started to do is to sort of see the real life impacts that it's having so we launched in July of 2022 So we're now just over a year in, so we're really starting to see people. I would say particularly those that have taken the parental leave. We've had some nice videos shared and lots of testimonies to what that was like, and particularly from the non-birthing parents. So for fathers that would never in previous times have taken more than maybe a week or in some companies a couple of days. And so some really nice stories of people who are in all range of jobs and all levels in the organization you know saying what it meant to them and their families really to switch off and take that time to spend when their family had a new arrival and I think that's really started the conversation in terms of those who have been going through fertility treatment or a family building journey as a result of the pillar one we're also starting to see that but obviously it takes a little bit longer but we're starting to see that the real life impacts we're aware of some outcomes that we hope to hear about in the coming months and that'll take time you know it's still a very private situation so I think we need to get the balance right between being very respectful of the privacy of people to go through their own journeys but also creating a culture where they can share. I mean timing is so prevalent in this conversation the person involved has got to feel that they can we don't know what stage that might be at it might be at the stage that they've had a positive outcome or not as we've talked about a bit and we're going to be doing that awareness raising webinar with yourselves and that is an opportunity as well for people to see once again that you know as an organization you're working with another organization to talk specifically about this what do you hope that your peers and your colleagues will gain from seeing this kind of conversation really like drilling down into the impact and you know the emotional the physical the financial toll and really getting to see what an IVF cycle looks like whilst you know their colleagues are going through their everyday working life and realize what people are actually having to juggle if we are talking about fertility treatment. Absolutely yeah I mean I think it's really bringing it to life I think you can read you can know your role you can understand the science but when you listen to people speak about the reality of going through these journeys how uncomfortable they may be how how stressful it is to have to take time off to go to various appointments, the uncertainty, the hope, and then the disappointment, all of these things, it makes it very human and it brings it away from it being a sort of employment policy. It makes it being a recognition that this is a very real part of people's lives that for many years has been hidden or Mm. not spoken about or people have been silently going through these things behind the scenes while turning up at work and performing and trying to balance this sometimes there may be other children in the house and there's is a second attempt a second child so there's just so many complexities that I think it's hard to understand until we start having these conversations and then by gradually having them empowers others to do so as well And my hope is that eventually we will have a community, a sort of resource group, a community of those where any of these issues may touch them that they can contribute to and create a really safe space to share and learn from each other and influence. And I think that's 
one of the elements which I might not have foreseen, but the influence that we can have as a company on communities, but also on other companies in, in showing how this can have such a positive impact on the employee, but on their partner, on their children, on the grandparents, on the community. And even just going back to the parental leave part, we're seeing non-birthing parents taking leave in communities where it's unheard of. But then they talk about it and their families talk about it to others. And suddenly there's a gradual shift in perception. So the impact actually really can trickle much further than we would ever have imagined. That's so interesting. And things, there's such nuances, aren't there, that you might not have even thought about until you literally hear it back from the impact that it's made and you talked about how this was launched last July I mean the planning before the launch was quite extensive in terms of a time frame so for organizations thinking about how they're going to approach this and you are of a significant size also for other pharma organizations what would your advice be because we were so keen to share what Ferring have done because it really is you know in terms of best practice it's kind of ticks all the boxes and it's amazing and we're fully aware that everybody all different organizations have got different capabilities what would your advice be on how to kind of get your head around how best to start so I would say that the very starting point is to bring in people to bring in those stakeholders that you need but also those people that have an interest that have a passion that it really what we had was a team of about eight people from different functions from legal from procurement from privacy all of the essential people that you will need to help to design a policy but also people that were excited to be part of this that saw the difference it could make and sometimes depending on your daily role you know you can be faced with all sorts of challenges and business challenges and this was just such a positive shift it really was something people were proud to be part of and and were keen to have input on so it's getting those conversations started making sure that every person that should have an input does privacy is a big issue the navigating this particularly that well both the leave part and the family building support trying to navigate that in a global organization is not easy because every country has its own jurisdiction every country has its own available treatments Every country has its own culture and ethical views. You know, surrogacy isn't allowed in some countries. Same-sex marriage isn't allowed in some countries. So when you're trying to make this accessible for everybody as an employee base, but you're operating in such different demographics, the consultation and the discussions and the design, bringing in everybody so there's no surprises, so you've covered as many eventualities, I think that provides a really solid foundation when you finally come to make your proposal. The other part is to build a good business case. This is a cost. So for any, no matter that we knew this was the right thing to do, it was the right thing for Ferring to do because of where we sit and because of our therapy area, we knew we had to, leadership starts at home, we had to walk the talk, we had to do this, but also we had to provide a solid business case. And that involved research and there's huge evidence out there of the benefits, for example, of a generous leave policy impacts long ranging impacts that go way after the first few years impacts on the mother's return to work on the sustainability of the relationship of the 
a greater role from the non-birthing parent, which starts early, continues. So there's there was a lot of evidence of the long-term positive impacts. And then this obviously this is something which it shows who we are as a company. And, and so for things like talent attraction, talent retention, trust, integrity, all of these business value elements are very real as well. So a solid business case is a good starting point as well. And then it's obviously going through the various levels of approval that you need in order to be able to move forward. But it's uh, the groundwork, I think, is super important. Like you said, we launched in July of last year, but I would say it started, the discussion started almost 18 months before that. And we were ready to present to an executive committee within 12 months. And because of the homework that had gone into that, I think it was an easier to get their buy-in and their commitment. And they were super supportive. Do you think that the workplace is aware of how vast this topic is? I mean, obviously, you know, with Faring working in this area, there was already that awareness of the various routes to parenthood and the extent that comes with that. And we've talked about a lot of it already. And that's part of obviously one of our challenges, highlighting just how many people are affected. We know that the World Health Organization say it's one in six. We know that fertility rates are on the decline. So it's not a problem that's going to go away, is it? From no. from what you see of, you know, workplace conversations, because well-being is so much more prominent on the agenda anyway, which is yeah. a, which is only a good thing. But this topic in particular, I mean, obviously I'm in a bubble because it's what I'm talking about every day. You're in a bit of a bubble because you're kind of in that same space. But what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's incredible how many people are impacted by these types of issues. And it's it seems to me way more than one in six. But I think when you add in, it's the partners. Yeah. So it's not just it's a couple or then it's somebody's sister or their parents or they were conceived with help. You know, there's all sorts of different ways that it becomes much more common. And then when you add into that pregnancy loss and miscarriage, and preterm births, complications, is just everybody has experience either personally or knows of one. And so it's just become part of life. I think it's just it's part of life's challenges. And having a family is very different experience for so many people. And even those where it's been pretty straightforward for themselves, they all know somebody who's had challenges and can relate to that as well. So it's everywhere. Do you think that the general kind of perception is, do you think that fertility is now much more on people's radar than it has been? Do you feel that there has been a shift in in attention being put on this topic? I think so. Like you say, I'm a little bit of a bubble just because that's what we do. So it's, it's, it's a significant part of our patients are in this situation and that's something that we're very aware of and close to. But yeah, more generally, I would say in society, it's definitely a much more open topic. And I think the sort of the, the idea of family planning as well, and people are very aware that it's not a given that when you decide that you're at the point of life, you're ready to have a family, that that'll happen. And so there, I'm hearing conversations within younger generations as well about egg freezing, about planning, about planning for the eventuality that they may want to spend time in their career or spend time first and wait until a certain age, but knowing that at certain ages, you know, there's other risks that come with that. So I think that there's just a much more open dialogue that it's just, it's not necessarily all going to happen the way you imagine it to. Yeah. And that that's a conversation. I mean, I, I even believe it's becoming a conversation at school, you know, in education. Yeah 
around these kind of topics. It's not as it used to be where you just assume that you would or you just, grow up, get married and have children. Yeah, That's thought, just what people did. not so, to get pregnant rather than it might be Exactly, yeah. exactly. So. And just finally, Mary, because we've talked about obviously what you've been putting in place and the hopeful like outcomes of it. And we've got a really powerful panel lined up for when we're doing our awareness raising webinar. And one of the speakers who talks about a really lengthy fertility journey that involved travel and involves considering alternative routes to parenthood, ultimately going with a, with a surrogate. And they'd highlighted how supportive their workplace was. And I know you were really struck by that point because ultimately this individual stayed loyal to where they worked and that really is testament to what this type of support because we're talking you know at least four or five year journey that is all having to run alongside somebody being in their role at work and this has a huge impact on somebody's work identity in terms of maybe taking sideways steps and being overlooked for things and having to step down because of the stress and the emotional toll of the treatment but it was really again prevalent wasn't it the feeling of loyalty as a result of the support that this person received wasn't it yeah I think so and I think the difference is that that support that she shared was so genuine it was so authentic it was so much about wanting the best outcome for her and her family it was understanding how important this was and how difficult it was and I think that's the difference between truly empathic and informed workplace support and that kind of okay yeah that's fine you know take the time take the there's a different thing and because we also know certainly from the research that you and your team have done that when that isn't felt Mm. it's one thing to say the words of yes you can have that time off but if it isn't felt and you're not felt empowered to take that time and it's a different thing and that can make the difference not just to how you perform at work or whether you stay at the company or not but also ultimately it could make the difference to the outcome the stress the added stress of feeling that you've got to hide away you've got to balance you've got to keep the brave face on at work and all that kind of thing the impact of stress on going through the journeys themselves can be something which can have an effect on the certainly of the experience of going through it but also potentially on outcomes as well so I think it's so important that the the workplace support is not lip service yeah it's real it's genuine and it's because you care about your employees and you care about their lives outside work and the difference that that can make to people's experience is huge and I have to say before we wrap up you know none of this would have happened without the commitment from the top. I mean, our leaders, our president, our chief human resource officer, they have just been so solid and so progressive in their view of this, really wanting to lead the way, to lead by example. And so if you know, for all the work I've just described of coming up with the policy and the details, the commitment comes from the top as well. And that's what makes it possible. Well, thank you for explaining and thank you for doing all the hard work because, you know, we've witnessed just how how long it's taken and how much thought has gone into it. And I think that's also part of the reason that we're really keen to share examples such as fairing in terms of best practice, because this isn't a quick fix. And like you said, it's not just paying lip service. It's not policy as a tick box exercise. You need to apply well-considered thoughts and planning to how best this will be implemented and executed don't you so thank you Mary and thank you for your time thank you so much Natalie it was a pleasure 
So I'm hoping that what you've heard Mary describe gives you an idea of of what could be in terms of fertility support. I mean, they really have set the standard high fairing with the incredible support that they're offering globally. And I totally appreciate that might not be within the capacity of your organisation. But hopefully it's given you things to think about. Things around the approach to get this type of work happening. And we're talking to organizations all the time, those that we're already working with and guiding them through the process of doing fertility friendly activity. And it does take time and it does take thought and it can't all happen at once. And what we're really just trying to encourage you to do is to just do something. Just don't think that this issue isn't relevant to you because there are more and more research findings that have been shared over the last week, new findings showing how stark this issue is and the really significant impact it has on people's working lives. And you know you want to hold on to good people. And if this can be part of your wellbeing strategy for 2024, please do get in touch with us. We can talk about the many ways that we can support you. All the details of how you can contact us will be coming. But I just hope that it encourages you to do something. Thank you, as always, for your support and for listening. And if you can leave a review of this podcast or rate it and share it with colleagues, that would be hugely appreciated to really keep this conversation going. Do follow us on our socials at Fertility Matters at Work on LinkedIn and Instagram and on X. We're Fert Matters Work. You can access our free resources, including our white paper and policy pointers via our website, fertilitymattersatwork.com, where you can also sign up to our newsletter to stay up to date on our free webinars.